I really believe that there's a reason that you're feeling the pull to write a book in the first place. Whatever that reason is, is between you and you. But when you're coming to somebody such as myself, seeking support to get this message out there, we can only trust you as much as you trust yourself to be able to share the knowledge that needs to be out there. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to The Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and if you have ever wondered how to get the most out of your work with a book writing coach or a ghostwriter, then today's episode is for you because I am joined today by Cherie Trask, who is a seasoned ghostwriter as well as a nonfiction book writing coach and the best-selling author of Surviving Silence, A Healing Path to Living Out Loud After Trauma. She is on a mission to help transform the hearts and minds of humanity through courageous storytelling so that together we can raise the collective consciousness of our world and be truly free to live unapologetically out loud. And today, Cherie and I are going to speak very much out loud about some of our tales from the trenches and what, in our experience, has worked particularly well for authors in a coaching or ghostwriting relationship, and maybe some other aspects that don't work as well. And so this is a wonderful opportunity for you as a listener to get some insight into the perspective of the person who is assisting you in bringing forward your book and some things that you can do to improve or speed up the process and frankly, end up with a better result. So I hope that you will get tremendous value from this episode. Enjoy. Cherie, welcome to the Author's Corner. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's so much fun to have you here. And I, and I remember from our, our first conversation, I was just so impressed with you. And I, I sense such a deep understanding of your work. And I know you've done some wonderful work. And it's always fun to talk with someone who's in the trenches, right, of supporting uh, people in becoming authors or writing their second or third or fourth books. And it takes a special kind of person, I think. It takes certain special talents, both technically and the soft side, uh, you know, on that on that sort of coachy, emotional side of it as well. And so that's why I invited you here, as you know, so we could share some of these tales from the trenches and talk about the experience and help our listeners get a sense of maybe what it takes, right, to do this well and to, to have a great relationship with your ghostwriter and have that be a success. So before we get into all of those wonderful things, let's start by hearing from you as to how did you get into this work? 
Yeah, for sure. So I think like anything in life, my path was not linear and actually it's not at all what I thought that I would be doing with my life. Although I'm incredibly grateful that it's where I landed. I was working as more of a health coach. My background is in holistic health. And I was contracted at a local gym here in San Diego and somebody had walked in who was a member there and he saw my very humiliating large picture that was at the front of the gym announcing that I was a service provider there. And he kind of connected the dots and he saw me walk by and he said, Hey, pointed to the picture. I said, that's you. And I said, it is. And he's like, I'd love to have a conversation with you and understand more about what you do. So at the time I was also for fun writing for health and fitness magazine, just kind of sharing insights on the health world and everything. And I'd always love to write. But when this particular entrepreneur approached me, he was talking Talking about his startup that he was about to begin, which he already had another startup in the works. And he said, would you be willing to ghostwrite a book for me on autoimmune disease? And in standard entrepreneurial fashion, I was like, absolutely. <laughs> Mind you, I had no idea what ghostwriting was. <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely. Pardon me while I Google ghostwriting. <laughs> yeah, I had never written a book. Um, I was just like, Totally. So it's funny looking back now because I also charged him pennies for this book, but you know, that that's how we get started. That's right. <laughs> and this was about 11 years ago. So um, I said yes. And four days later, I handed him this book and he was shocked. He was like, how did you write a book in four days? And I said, I'm going to be completely honest with you. It might be crap. So if you hate it, I'm not going to be offended. I'm willing to work with you and we can make this exactly what you want it to be, but this is my first shot at it. So let's see what you think. He absolutely loved it. And I was like, interesting. Okay. We're on to something here. And from that moment, he invited me to come on board as his voice with his company as a contractor for the next four years. Mm -hmm. So I proceeded to write multiple books for him. I spearheaded his content and creative teams. I did all of the designs. So the creative department, I was the head of essentially and was fortunate enough to get a deal with Hay House for him as an author. And I ghost wrote his book for Hay House as well. So that's kind of where it all started and very very wild ride. Um, but like I said, I'm grateful to be here now. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so tell us a little bit about where you are now, uh, 11 years later. Yeah. So I do book coaching and ghostwriting for transformational nonfiction. And for, for people that are like, what the heck does that even mean? It's essentially the personal development, self-help and teaching memoir space. So I'm very focused on helping leaders who are impact driven, take their wisdom and their experiences and put them into a book to create a greater impact. Yeah. Fantastic. And I love that you have that real clarity on the kinds of books that you like to write. What is it about those kinds of books that, I mean, cause clearly I, I really sense like a mission inside of you when you speak of it. So tell us a little bit about that internal experience for you of what, what is it about this particular area? For sure. Without going into all the details, because it really doesn't matter, but I had been through my own experience when I was 19 years old with being assaulted. And in that moment that that happened, I was going to school at the time for fashion and design for TV and film. 
Hmm. And I really believed in my whole heart the night of that assault. I, as I sat in my car, I was like, there is a reason this happened. I just felt it so deeply inside. And everything in my body was like, you're supposed to help people tell their stories. And I had no idea what that meant. So I proceeded to graduate college. I went back to school, studied holistic health and nutrition, like all of these things that everything kept coming back to storytelling. And the, the feedback that I had always gotten and still get to this day in my life was you are always the person that I know I can talk to without judgment. And even if you don't agree with what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do, I know that you'll always listen and hold me accountable and be direct without judgment. So through this entire process, it really just kept coming back to me being somebody who really loved to support and was really good at supporting the really tender, vulnerable stories that people, for whatever reason, were ready to share um, or maybe not ready to share, but wanted to get to the place to be ready to share as a way to help other people in their own journeys. Yeah, fantastic. And what better areas than memoir and, you know, self-help personal transformation? I mean, those mm -hmm. those are the perfect avenues for sharing stories. Yeah. So as I was listening to you, I was thinking about one of the really important things in any book you're writing is the ability to and the willingness to share personal stories. Even if you're writing a science book, people still want to know the author a little bit. So when do you go in for the story, right? Because I mean, it's a lot of times, right, they might be t sharing some facts, but at some point you're going to go, oh, there's one. <laughs> and so what are some of the signals that you receive that you say, oh, I'm going to, you know, like what, what makes you go in for that story in the first place? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, it's an intuitive knowing for me and it always has been. And I pushed that aside for a long time because it sounds a little bit woo woo and weird to a lot of people, but uh, it is a superpower of mine. So typically when I'm asking the client questions, they're pretty baseline questions as far as like trying to get the bulk of what we're sharing here. Right. And as they're sharing, it's usually there are moments where they'll be sharing something and I can see it in their body language or I can feel it through the screen. Like there's something they want to say here that they're not saying. So it's mm. usually where I'll pause and ask more questions. You know, I tell me more about that. When did this happen? Was there a story that came up around this? Always when I'm doing the initial interviews, I'm on the back end while they're telling the stories and everything, which are recorded. I am making sure that I'm just taking a lot of notes and feeling into as a reader, like what would actually matter here? Because that's another thing. And I'm sure you see this all the time that a lot of people, especially the ones that are being brave enough to share their own stories, want to put everything in the book, every detail right? and everything. Every detail. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> I commend you for that courage and it feels messy. Nobody wants to hear all of those details. Right. Yeah. And knowing what the salient points are, you know, what in here do we need to share for the reader to be able to, to get it? Connect. Yeah. So our audience is mostly authors or people who want to become authors. So what are some of the best ways that an author can help you do your job the best? That's a great question. And there's quite a few things actually, but I think some of the most impactful are being organized in some capacity, right? Like understanding the story that you want to tell or the overview of it, right? Like it, you don't have to know all of the details, but at least know the message that you're wanting to share, knowing your intention knowing who it's for. There are plenty mm -hmm. of people that come to me and say, I want everybody to read this book. And while that's lovely, <laughs> it's 
completely unrealistic. It's marketing 101. Pick your one person and speak to that one person and everybody like them will come in to read that book. So the organization is a really big piece. I don't know if it's because I'm an HSP, a highly sensitive person. So I get a little bit overwhelmed with too much at once. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when people come to me with 5 million ideas, instantly I shut down and I make that known up front. So they're not like, she's not listening to me. I'm listening to you, but this is ridiculous. This is so much information, right? Right? So that's a conversation we have before the interviews even begin, like my expectations of them in order for them to get what they're paying for, right? Like I want them to feel good about it. I think the intention, again, just to reiterate the intention of why they're sharing it is incredibly important. And I also think what's really important is making sure that they remain unattached because oftentimes when they come in with all of that information, it's the ego that wants to get it out. But the moment it's out, they realize, oh, that actually doesn't matter. And they're willing (laughs) to release it, right? They have to be willing to release it because there's a lot that will not make the final cut and that's okay. Let's go back to their intention in writing it. What about that is important to you? Yeah, so, you know, some people that I speak to anyways, they feel kind of funny having what I call a selfish why. And what that means to me and to the clients that I work with is having a reason that they're doing this that is going to be Mm self-serving. I think selfishness can be incredibly beneficial if you're intentional about it, right? So understanding the intention, meaning the why for the audience, why is this important information for them? Why is it so important that you share this information with them? And then having the intention of when I do this, this is what I hope to get from it. Yeah. You know, I run into the same thing with my clients because I have in my five initial questions, right? (laughs) One of them is, what do you want to get out of the book? And, and there's the other question, the two out of the five, the second of the, the, those two is how do you want your book to benefit others out in the world? Mm-hmm. And no matter how I preframe it, no matter what I say, they answer, what do you want to get out of it by answering the next question? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They never answer the question first Yes, <laughs> that I asked. Yep. I ran into that all the time as well. And that's where we get to come back and say, <laughs> that's great. And <laughs> yeah. know question five is answered. So now we just have to go back and, and actually answer question two. I guess I should just make question five, question two, but <laughs> so, um, all right. So what else? Uh, so that you, you want them to come in with a pretty good idea of the concept and the overall arc of what they want to say. What's another thing that you, uh, that you find is really facilitative in terms of the process of ghostwriting and just making it go smoothly and um, have the author get the outcomes that they desire. So understanding the teaching, if you will. So what I mean by that is I have a lot of people, especially in the teaching memoir space, right. That want to be able to share nuggets of wisdom for me, that's great. You know, we call these hug books. If, if, if done differently, a hug book is more so something that you just want them to have that feel good when they're done reading it. But if these are actually tangible teachings that they want the reader to take away and actually take action on, 
being really clear on what exactly those teachings are. So typically I'll say, especially for first-time authors, I'll say, okay, if you're going to do a teaching at the end of chapter one, my suggestion is to do a teaching at the end of every chapter that correlates to the content within that chapter. So it gets them thinking of more structured approach to what they're sharing with me. Whether we use it or not, we'll figure that out at the end, but it's good for them to get all of that information out. So deciding up front, am I going to have tangible teachings or am I going to just hug the reader through my words per chapter and then being consistent throughout? Yeah, that is, that is so important. You don't want to have teachings at the end of one or two or three chapters and mm -hmm. nothing into the others. Cause then your reader's going to think that there was a print error is what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And something that I typically say to authors too, and whether it's ghostwriting or coaching is to consider having at the end, some sort of a companion journal or, or a question recap. So if the reader doesn't want to go back to every single chapter, they can go to the back and say, okay, now I, now I actually have the time. I'm willing to take the time to answer all of these questions now and really get into the feeling of, of what the author is sharing. Those are great ideas and suggestions uh, for that. Um, what if, we'll go for the rule of three. What would be one other thing that you find to be really helpful when you're working with authors as their ghostwriter? Um, super helpful to trust themselves. Uh, what I mean by that is I really believe that there's a reason that you're feeling the pull to write a book in the first place. Whatever that reason is, is between you and you. But when you're coming to somebody such as myself, seeking support to get this message out there, we can only trust you as much as you trust yourself to be able to share the knowledge that needs to be out there. Something that I, I see often, and I think that this is just, I don't know if it's the human condition in that somebody comes to us to hire us to ghostwrite a book. And they think, oh, you're ghostwriting the book. And so you're going to write the book. You know this information. And it's like, yes, you're hiring me to write the book, but the book is yours. All of the information is coming from you. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's my book. <laughs> right? So the more that you can lean on your inner trust, knowing I am writing this book for a reason, and I, I am standing firm in that, I'm confident in that, it doesn't mean that fears won't come up. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be self-doubt that comes up. A hundred percent of my clients, no matter how successful they are, have experienced these feelings, and that's fine. But but being so rooted in your why and in the wisdom and knowledge that you're sharing that no amount of self-doubt or fear is going to remove you from the project that you're working on. Yeah. And that, that brings me to, I'm glad you said that because I would say, if asked that question of how can an author really facilitate the process, I would say you need to show up. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So maybe so we could, we could get into a little tales from the trenches of what doesn't work or, uh, you know, times that you've, that you've been particularly frustrated. Of course, we won't use names or book titles, yeah. but, and it probably happened more than once anyway. But I find one of the most frustrating things is when the author kind of ghosts the ghostwriter. Mm. Have you experienced that? I, I take it you have or no? I've actually been really fortunate. And I don't know if it's because I really set a high standard up front. And I'm sure you do too, but I'm very clear about, 
I have a timeline. My timeline is to benefit you. If you're Mm -hmm. unwilling or unable to meet that timeline, then the same goes for me. So if the author understands that timeline, it's not to say that some people haven't missed certain deadlines. Um, As long as they're in communication with me and understand that we're going to have to make up that time or their contract's going to be extended, which means additional investment, and they're fine with that, okay. But I think the big part about that is, you know, remaining in integrity. If you're coming to me saying that you are a leader and you're here to write this book to impact people, then I'm expecting you to be a leader and hold up to that integrity. I love that. I love that framing because that is really the truth. It's like author means something for a reason, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it it might be under the guise of, of being busy. I think though, for some people, at least it's, it is that fear, Mm -hmm. right. Of being seen of, of having to elevate themselves in that way. And they avoid, you know, it's that avoidant personality. And I think that's actually a really beautiful space for growth, which is something that I a hundred percent of the time work with my clients on. When I see a pattern such as that come into our work together, I'm always asking the question, what's actually going on? I notice this pattern is happening. I don't think it's about what you're saying it's about. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's something deeper here. So tell me what's actually happening. And I will say in all honesty, 100% of the time, people have been vulnerable and honest with me when I ask the question. I think it's just being okay with the client in the moment, maybe not liking you for a second (laughs) (laughs) because you have their best interests in mind. Yes. Yes. And that is such a crucial thing as a coach and a ghost, you know, either in either role. I think that people tend to understand right off the bat that a coaching role is definitely being willing to not be liked some of the time. But I think, I don't know that all ghostwriters really get that, that, yeah, you know, you have their best interest in mind. You're the one with the experience writing the books. And sometimes you have to lead them away from potential major pothole or worse. And sometimes you have to lead them to (laughs) the work. And you have to let go of the need to be liked in order to do that. Totally. An example that I have of that too is like, if somebody wants to put content in the book that I just know there's no reason for it. It doesn't, the question I always ask is, does this move the story forward? So if there's something that they really want to put in and I have the conversation with them and I read it back to them and I say, okay, now I want you to tell me, this is your intention that you told me at the beginning, which I always have written and and put right in front of me. Does this, what you're sharing right here, move the story forward in a way that aligns with that intention? And that's often the point where they're like, well, crap, no. But I think it's really important. I'm like, tell me more. Why is this important for you? And almost always it's ego with the type of books I write, right? Like it's, it's somebody saying like, but I want to validate why I did that thing. Or I want to make sure that people really understand my point of view. And it's like, great, put it in a social media post. It's not for your book. Right. Right. (laughs) Write an op-ed. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that actually, let's, let's get into that a little bit more too. Because I think that's where this line gets blurred sometimes with authors, if you don't support them, which it sounds like you do in this way, of keeping in mind who the book is really for. Mm -hmm. You want to elaborate on that? 
Yeah. I, so that's something that I have all of my authors do actually at the beginning of us working together, whether they do it or not is up to them, but this is what I always suggest for them is that they put their intention and who their book is for on like a little sticky note and put it on their computer. So every time they go to write, they're looking at exactly this. The thing is, is it's like I said at the beginning, if you go in with the intention to write a book for everybody, you're actually speaking to nobody. So the clearer you can get on the person that you're speaking to, not only are you going to be more excited about what you're writing because you actually have a vision of who you're talking to, but it's going to be easier to connect the dots of the information you're sharing to the reader that you're writing for throughout the entire thing. I see this a lot with people who get writer's block. It's like there's something here that you're not clear on. So it's either your intention, your audience, or the message that you're sharing. If you have clarity on all three of those, I promise you the process is a lot smoother than it would be otherwise. Yeah. And those are the big three. That's, that's a really brilliant way to put that. I love that. Hi there, Robin here. Have you been considering writing a thought leadership book that grows your business? How about writing a quality standout book? with a real book publishing deal behind it that not only grows your business, but also grows your influence and reach. In case you're new to the author's corner, my name is Robin Colucci, and I help world-class experts write world-changing books and get them published. With over 30 years in the publishing industry, I've helped clients write and publish books with Big Five and other top publishing houses. Many have gone on to become New York Times, Amazon, and Wall Street Journal, as well as USA Today bestsellers. And others have increased their business income by 600 times or more as a result of their book being out in the world and the partnering work that they did with me and my team. If you are a top-notch expert who is ready to write your world-changing book, go ahead and book a free consultation call with my team today. We have a limited number of spots available, and we only take clients who are committed to the process and want to get their book started now. If that sounds like you, go to www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Go ahead and fill out the application form to be considered for one of our exclusive spots. Again, the link is www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Now, back to the show. I was going back to the memoir model because you, you also do help people with memoirs and I've got two competing questions, which means they're both going to try to come out at once. So I'm going to, I'm going to slow my brain down. Um, but first of all, I don't know that all of our listeners know what a teaching memoir is. I know another term for it is also prescriptive memoir. So maybe our listeners have heard that, but perhaps you could just share with our listeners a little bit about that distinction, because I, I think it's a pretty significant one and could be very useful as far as them achieving their goals. And so maybe talk a little bit about the difference and then different kinds of goals that you can achieve with either one. Sure, so this is from my perspective. So please chime in if yours is different. Um, So teaching memoir to me and to the clients that I work with, and I wrote a teaching memoir myself. So I'm going from that point of view is sharing a story that is, essentially surrounded around your experiences, your life, you're telling it from a certain point to a certain point on your, based on your life. And within that you have teachings that you're sharing with the reader. 
as I mentioned previously, what are those teachings? Is it like a hug book you want to make them feel good teachings or are these tangible teachings they can take away and actually take action on? In my book, it's both. So you get to decide what is it that you're actually teaching the reader is the easiest way to think about it. Like, what am I teaching and how does this fit into the story that I'm sharing? Some people, they think with a memoir that they need to start with, from the time they were born until the until right now. And it's like, I mean, I suppose <laughs> you could if you really wanted to. I'm not promising that'd be a great read. But within that, it's... Please don't. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. It's just too much. We don't need all of that information. So it's really segmenting it into a smaller, more condensed, uh, condensed timeline that is going to be aligned with the teachings that you're committed to sharing. Again, goes back to the intention and the audience that it's for. Do you have a different perspective? No, I think that's right. And I, I think it's it's, it's an especially important distinction today because if you're, especially if you're looking for a traditional book deal, general memoirs, traditional memoir, which is just a straight narrative has been a really tough sell lately to the traditional industry. But, you know, if you also, and, and you need to have a really solid platform either way to get a deal. Um, but the but the prescriptive memoir, because it has it, it's not just the story of the individual, it broadens the audience a bit, right? To to people who would be interested in your story and also want to have some takeaways. That's my impression. Would you? Is that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's also an important distinction for our listeners who might be thinking about writing a memoir consider that prescriptive or teaching memoir model where you get to tell all the important stories, but it's not just a straight narrative. I think if you're going to do a straight narrative, you better be Oprah, either, <laughs> either a big time you know, a celebrity or writing at an MFA level where your, your prose is like nectar from the gods, you know, 100%. because because otherwise it's really, it's just so tough to get it out into the market. Completely. I think another important thing when it comes to memoirs too, and please let me know if you don't agree with this, is no matter the fact that it's your story that you're sharing, your reader should always be the first person you're thinking about. And that's a big mistake I see a lot of people make. They're telling the story from their perspective, which is important, but they're forgetting who they're telling it to. <laughs> oh, amen, sister. <laughs> I had to like hold myself back from yelping and yelling and, and standing up and cheering so you could finish your thought. But yeah. yes, <laughs> please. And that is so important that even though it's a story about you, mm -hmm. it's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's yeah for the reader mm -hmm. and the other th the other okay now that we're in pet, pet peeves about memoir um <laughs> the other <laughs> I think that you gotta admit that you've made mistakes <laughs> in your life <laughs> yep I think that's an interesting point too is because so often, I think social media has highlighted this hugely. We're looking at the highlight reel of somebody's life, right? And you might follow those people and aspire to something that they have possibly achieved. We don't actually know. 
But in that, they're not sharing the realness of what it means to be a human. And we are all humans making beautiful mistakes every single day. And the hope is that we learn from those mistakes so we don't continue to repeat them, right? Mm -hmm. When you are sharing pieces of your story, if you are neglecting to share those hiccups, you're missing the entire point of sharing because people relate to realness. They don't relate to perfectionism. They may hold you on a pedestal, but that's not going to help them transform their life. No, as a matter, it it might actually hinder them because they're going to tell themselves the story that, well, of course this person succeeded because they just knew how to do everything right. Or they're going to think, Nobody knows how to do everything right. So this person's lying to me <laughs> or both, maybe a little of both, but it's not. Um, yeah. I think that vulnerability and that willingness to share that you, you didn't have it all figured out from the beginning is, is so powerful and, and so enrolling too. Okay. What are some other mistakes that you see authors struggle with? Mm, Yeah. So a big one is I often hear the question, I don't know where to start. And Mm. I hear people respond with something to the effect of, we'll just start. (laughs) It's a horrible idea. And here's, (laughs) so yes, it's good to get in the practice of writing, whether you're doing so through morning pages or you have, you know, a regular journal practice that you're getting in the habit of carving out a certain amount of time every day for writing. That's fantastic. If that's your gets just start great. But if your just start is to just start writing things and hope that somehow it's going to make sense at the end, you are wasting so much time and energy. And ultimately, this is what I see leads people to quitting altogether because it's overwhelming to go back and try to edit something that doesn't make sense from the beginning. So I also hear people say in this same vein, you don't need an outline to start. I don't agree with that. I think an outline is necessary. Absolutely. And going back to something I said earlier, your outline, like don't be attached to the outline, right? Like that can change because often what happens is you have an outline as your guidepost. This is your structure to, to understand like, okay, in chapter one, I'm essentially talking about these things and only focus there. So you don't look to the other chapters, right? Because that's, what's going to muddle all of the thoughts and, and all of those things. Within that, you may find, you know what, actually, I have this in chapter two, but what would make more sense is if I included this here. So then all of a sudden, your outline shifts a little bit. So you have to be willing to be adaptable, but have structure within what you're creating, or I promise you, you will quit, or Mm -hmm. you'll put out a really like mediocre book, and that's not what we're here to do. Yeah, exactly. And you will inadvertently repeat the same stories multiple times. I I had the displeasure of editing a book that somebody had already written. This was early in my career that he had written without an outline. And I wanted to shoot myself. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do this anymore. Here's your money back. (laughs) Yeah. And there was, I mean, it was so painful because it was like wrangling a, a pit of snakes. You know, it was just it's messy. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And also what you said about that, the outline inevitably changes. If the outline doesn't change at all, something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> unless you're a beautiful mind, you can just see things that we can't see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless unless you're some weirdo writing genius. Yeah, <laughs> which is great, but I haven't met one but yet. That's, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> totally, totally. So, so true. Uh, let's talk about timing because I have found that most of our clients are in the middle, right? Where like we're getting it done in the deadline. It's good stuff. But we have the fringe on the other, the ends of the bell curve and, and one end we talked about, which is the procrastinator. But then there's the other end of the spectrum where the author, I think, is over eager to get it done fast. Would you like to speak to that at all? Yeah. So I think it depends on the context of the book for me anyways. If I'm ghostwriting and somebody comes to me and it really is more of like a memoir type book, even if it's, you know, personal development, self-help, and it's not specific to memoir, I think they all fall in the same category for me. With that, um, my timeline is typically first draft is done in three months if I'm ghostwriting it. And that's just how I work. That doesn't mean it's your final, right? So there's always going to be the revisions that come, the clarification that comes, the stories that still need to be added based on gaps that I see, but I don't want to waste time. So it's just something I want to insert here because I think it's really important. A lot of people will get stuck on not knowing what to put next my suggestion is to just bookmark it. Put a put a note if you're using Google Docs. Put a note in the in the sidebar that says, "Come back to this. I need a story about X, Y, Z," and continue writing. When it comes to timelines, be realistic. I've only had really one person that was incredibly unrealistic and wanted something done yesterday. That I was like, "It's impossible." If you find someone else to do that, good on you. But it's it's not going to be done well. Right. And, um, that actually was the one and only in all of my 11 years contract that I did not feel good about afterwards. And I was upfront about it. I was like, this doesn't reflect my work. I would rather not have my name on this. Like, I'm not happy about it at all, but this is what you get for that timeline. So I think yeah. being really realistic and everybody is going to work differently. So whether you're, yeah. if you're doing it yourself, I think it's, probably going to be a longer process than if you have support as right. usually is with most things. Right. So mm -hmm. also asking those questions beforehand, if you're hiring a coach or you're hiring a ghostwriter asking, what is your typical timeline for this type of book and mm -hmm. letting them come to you with the realistic expectation. And then you guys can talk about, is there a way to negotiate this longer or shorter? I mm -hmm. honestly, when, when somebody comes to me and they're like, Ooh, I don't know if I can write a book in three months, or I don't know if I can be available for you to write a book in three months. My answer is usually let's talk about the things that are stopping you. Because the thing is, is this is a temporary project that if you are, if you're willing to put your eggs in this basket for these three months, you're going to get the thing that you want in the end. So is that worth it to you? Mm -hmm. Some people are like, you know, they have the excuses of, oh, I have this going on. I have this going on. I have this going on. Can we do nine months? My answer is hundred percent of the time. No, um, I will not do a book in nine months. And the reason being is because in my experience at the beginning, when I was a little more lenient with this, it leads to procrastination. I'm sitting around twirling my thumbs, waiting for information to be able to finish this because I know that my timeline is ready to go. Meanwhile, they're just doing other things. Mm -hmm. Writing a book takes a lot of work 
and it needs to be prioritized if it's something that is actually important to you. It's like anything that's important to you, right? Like prioritize. So the average timeline is three to six months for a final draft of your manuscript. When I say final draft, that means it's gone through editing. And by the time you have it, it's ready for publication. All of that to be said, I think the timeline is whatever you want the timeline to be, but it needs to be realistic and not coming from a place of fear of getting it out, which is something that I see a lot of people with. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, oh my goodness. Wow. Look at, oh, I just looked up at the clock. I'm just having so much fun. I just can't believe it. <laughs> Here. All right. So before I let you go, uh, I must ask you my final question, uh, which is, Cherie, what have I not asked you that you would love to answer? Hmm. Um, I think something around the power of story and the power of vulnerability. I'm very well aware that vulnerability is scary, right? Like, I think we can all agree that sometimes sharing pieces of ourselves feel a little bit crunchy and that's okay. But when it comes to being willing to write a story that is going to involve pieces of your personal life, my biggest suggestion is to constantly come back to your intention and remembering number one, I know you would love to believe otherwise but you are not the only person who has experienced something like you've experienced, right? Like other people have had something similar, maybe not the same, but something similar. And it's those scary pieces of ourselves that I believe create the most impact. And the reason they do that is because they make, they make us relatable. And when we're relatable, we're seen as another human that is walking the same weird, strange path along with each other. So even though it might feel scary to be vulnerable, understanding that that vulnerability really is your superpower, especially when it comes to telling a story that you're committed to creating an impact with. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Well, this has been um, enlightening, informative, and fun. So I want to thank you once again for being with us on The Author's Corner. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.